Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Well, hello. I am Matt Williamson. This is the Locked On NFL Podcast. You and I have been chatting quite a bit lately. Belly up the bar, hang out, and let's talk a few things on Twitter Thursday, and we're going to preview tonight's game. I also want to do the midseason awards for the major awards. Um, But before that, I just want to appreciate the game last night, the, the World Series game. You know, and we're not talking baseball, trust me. And I don't, you, you guys all know a lot more about baseball than I do. And I could probably name you three Cubs before the World Series. But, anyways, um, needless to say, I'm a Pirates fan. Grew up in 73. The Pirates, or I was born in 1973. Grew up through the 70s and 80s. Um, you know, the We Are family when I was a kid. So the Pirates were big when I was six, seven, ten years old. Um, and then they were so unbelievably bad for. 20 plus years that they were kind of dead to me. I mean, I, I gave up on the pirates in, you know, for, for a while there. Um, I mean, actually they were good. I'm, I'm getting that wrong. I mean, they, they, they were, I was into them up until like the Drayback bonds years and yeah, they were, they were good bonds, many events like didn't quite, quite win it with those teams, but they were highly competitive. You know, we partied in college watching those playoff games. I remember Sid Bream, uh, we brought TVs outside my fraternity house, and that, that game was a, a heartbreaker. But then they were awful for the, like basically the next 20 years. And I pretty much, they were dead to me. Uh, I didn't buy you know pirate gear for my kids or anything like that. I uh, just thought they were a joke of an organization. And then, you know, they've gotten good. So uh, I've gotten to be more of a observer. I mean, I guess I'm a fan. I want them to win. Usually I'm working and the pirate game's on in front of me. So I don't know the rest of the league at all, but I knew the pirates. And my son kind of likes them, and he's 10, and he plays Little League and all those things. But last night was awesome. I mean, was last night the best baseball game that's ever happened? And then the rain delay and the Chapman drama and Cubs break the seer, you know, their, the, the streak. And, I mean, it was unbelievable. I mean, I can't remember a sporting event on par with it. But I just wanted to throw that out there. Obviously, that's not why we're here to talk uh, let's talk about tonight's game. Tampa, to me, is a very bad team. And I actually just wrote an article about Winston and where he is. And he's up and down. You know, I mean, if you're ranking quarterbacks in the league right this second, he's probably 18, 19, 20th, something like that. Which isn't bad. I mean, for a second-year guy, I mean, I think hopes were too high for him and Mariota and uh, in their second season. And I really think Winston is going to have some Favre-like tendencies where I think he's going to be a high turnover player his whole career because he's aggressive, you know. I mean, if they're down, he's going to throw. He's competitive. I love those traits from him. He is not bashful or meek at all. But they also have a long-developing 80s-style offense, run with a power back, physical line, long-developing pass plays, play-action, shots deep downfield. And that, I'm not bashing that. That's okay. But in order to do that, you have to have a big-time back, and, you know, Martin qualifies, and that's why they paid him as much as they did. 
you have the big receivers, and, and Evans certainly qualifies. I think Evans and Winston are going to connect on a million touchdowns in their career. But the rest of the components aren't there. And I know that Jockers Rogers has had some had some games this year, but they need Martin. I mean, they need a pounder, and they've gone through running back after running back. They're going to be on you know guys like Peyton Barber and stuff tonight. I mean, they're 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 down the running back depth chart to say the least. Um, and and the receiving core and tight ends outside of Evans are inadequate. So in turn, I think Winston is the classic you know does too much quarterback at this stage of his career. Um, but again, it's better than him being bashful and meek. But when they have the ball, you know Atlanta's defense isn't all that daunting. That's for sure. But I would think that you know Evans is going to end up on Trufant a lot. When these guys played in Week One, Trufant didn't follow him. Winston had a big game. I'm curious how that goes tonight. But I would imagine they'll see a lot of each other. I don't know if Trufant will follow him or not. That's something to keep an eye on. And, and I really think it'd be crazy not to in this situation because I, I look at this this Bucks offense and say. Man, it's Evans and Winston and nothing else really. I, I, you know, maybe they can run all over Atlanta. I think that's possible. They've had some good games running the ball. I think it's possible. I'm not real big on Atlanta's defense, that's for sure. Uh, some of their younger guys, Jones, Grady, Jared, Vic Beasley, um, a couple of those dudes are starting to play a little better, and they're getting a lot, lot more time on the field. That makes sense. They're progressing as you would hope as rookies do, but it's still a well below average defense. The other side's a problem, <laughs> if you're the Bucks, is you're facing one of the league's best offenses. You rush the passer very poorly. I mean, really, they're one of the worst pass rushes in the league. The stats show that, you know, not only is Matt Ryan having a great year, but he is, when you give him time, he is deadly and is just carving teams up. And I don't know how that changes tonight. Um you know, keep an eye on McCoy. Maybe McCoy has a nice game, and he's been flashing. Levante David in the front. I'm excited to watch a little more of Noah Spence. But, you know, Grimes is playing okay. Hargraves has been picked on a little bit, but they're both small, and they're not high-end players. Their safeties are really bad in Tampa Bay. They have no answer for Julio. I mean, I think guys like Austin Hooper have big days today, and I think Sanu has a big game. I'm curious how healthy Julio looks. I also think they'll run the ball on them. So, yeah, Thursday night at home, you know, I always like the home team for sure. You know, Thursday night, short week, division game, I almost always take the home team. But I just think Atlanta's far, far superior in this case. So, give me the Falcons. But I could see quite a few points tonight. You know, I mean, I think you want your fantasy players in this game. If you're short on tight ends or something... Sneak Austin Hooper in there as a hunch by me. See how that works out for you. Let's do awards. The MVP League. Let's do this two ways. Who gets the award right this second if the league was done? If they never played another snap of football in 2016, who do you give the award to? And... The second part of it is who do you think will end up winning it if we keep going at the pace we're going? And with the MVP, that's obviously a a very different distinction, you know, because I don't think I can quite give Brady the MVP right now if the season were over, but maybe, <laughs> maybe. 
but I absolutely think that he wins it. I mean, it would shock me if, if I mean, I mean, Aaron Rodgers could come out of nowhere, or you know, somebody could certainly step up and change things in the second half of the season. But I think Brady almost has it locked up now, and he's missed four games. I mean, he's missed half the season already. But I'm not going to give it to him as the midseason award. I'm going to give it to Matt Ryan. Um, and third on that list would be Carr. Carr's a lot more inconsistent, but I do think he's played pretty well in terms of keeping the Raiders in games, playing well late in games when it mattered most. I mean, that might be a little, yeah, a little courteous to Carr. I mean, I'm not sure that he's at that level yet, but I'm having a hard time coming up with other candidates. And one candidate is. Maybe Ezekiel Elliott. You know, I mean, Elliott might deserve it more than Carr. So I, I think I'm going to put Elliott there. But Ryan's my vote. Brady's my vote of who will win it. I feel pretty darn confident about that. I guess we'll, we'll just go to Offensive Rookie of the Year then because I think I kind of gave that away. I mean, I think it has to be Elliott. You know, with all respect to Wentz and Prescott, they've been highly impressive. But I think it has to be Elliott at this point. I mean, Dak and... Carson are not top five quarterbacks in this league. I think Elliott's a top five running back already. He's been instrumental on one of the best teams in the league, number two in my power ranks, as has Prescott. But I think Elliott's better at what he does than what Prescott does and more important for, for now. Um, I think he's clearly the, the offensive rookie of the year. You know, And there were guys like Fuller that played well early in the year that are certainly dropped out of the race. Um, Wentz or Prescott could win it, but it, it seems like Elliott's award to lose. Defensive MVP. I think this is a two-horse race. You can make a strong argument for both. I'm going to take Aaron Donald over Vaughn Miller. Uh, both are phenomenal Hall of Fame caliber players right now on a Hall of Fame pace. Uh, fantastic at what they do. Miller gets a little more pub. You know, you see him on commercials and he just won the Super Bowl and he just got paid huge money and he deserves all those things. I mean, like I said, he's a uh, on a Hall of Fame career path. But I think Donald is more disruptive, harder to play against, a little better at what he does. You know, uh, such a rarity to have a, a guy that close to the ball, a 300-pounder, being as disruptive as he is. And I would think that there's no reason for to, to think that either one probably will just keep it up and you know end up winning the, the award. Defensive Rookie of the Year is kind of like MVP because to me, Bosa is clearly the guy. And he missed time early. But different than MVP, who else could get it? I mean, and so I'm going to give it to Bosa and it would blow me away if he doesn't, you know, solidify it by a couple weeks from now. Um, Jalen Ramsey's been good. But he's not great. Uh, it's tough for corners to win this award. It's real tough for corners to win the award. Um, but I think it has to be Bosa. I think Bosa is a great player already. And really tearing it up. Super impressive. So I guess you know these four awards really didn't really go out on a limb. I guess it's not all that shocking. But it's something you guys asked about when we wanted to do. Coach of the Year. I think it has to be Belichick. I mean, there's a handful of good candidates, you know, and Atlanta has a, a, an argument, and uh, Zimmer had an argument, and Dallas. and But how good the Patriots are without maybe the best quarterback in history for four games, 
without Deion Lewis. Gronk was banged up. Jimmy Garoppolo didn't play every game. Didn't have a first-round pick. I think it has to be Belichick. I mean, I apologize that these awards are boring and chalk, but I'm not going to just make something up. (laughs) So, there you have it. Um, Let's do a little bit of Twitter Thursday. Okay, we are going to do... We're going to do two Twitter questions today. Uh, This is going to be kind of a short show. Um, I didn't have a guest this week. It just kind of dawned on me. Maybe I will work on that and get one for next week as a bonus prize. Um, Many to pick from. But anyways, I'm kind of wandering here. Bobby Donnelly, at Donnelly B. For Twitter Thursday, could you rank the best 5 to 10 offensive lines in your opinion? Surely. Uh, Some of my favorite articles that I've written, some of my favorite lists that I've written are offensive line articles. I remember at ESPN, it was probably five years ago. Usually you send an article in, it's like 800 words, 1,000 words in that neighborhood. You know, and that's for a reason. I mean, sometimes they want them even shorter. You know, one of my problems as a writer, not problems, but my my stuff's longer than shorter. You know what I mean? I, I have a hard time, you know, keeping things super short and in today's you know fast driven world people want they don't want to they look at a long article and they might not read it that's the logic behind it but i was never going to leave something out you know if i'm describing the the you know the patriots offense i mean what am i just not going to mention edelman or you know whatever but anyways i'm I'm rambling again anyways like i said my the average articles you turn in i turn in now like seven or eight a week um are in the thousand word range I remember ranking offensive lines one offseason, and it was like 12,000 words. It was was crazy, you know, and it was awesome. I mean, it's one of my favorite things I ever did. Huge project. But anyways, I like talking other lines. I think when you look at the best offensive lines in the league, it's Dallas. It's back. I had to pause there for a second. Uh, To pull back the curtain, I have a, a bar set up in my basement. And when I say belly up to the bar, I mean it. You know, this is where I set up my laptop and my microphone and have a little ice water. And, you know, it's it's our basement, though. It's a finished basement. Uh, the fish tank in the background, a big TV. Not quite a man cave, but there's, you know, Mary Lemieux stuff on the walls. And there's Mr. Rooney and Terry Bradshaw and, you know. And there's also the litter box down here. And Fat Nose the Cat came down and had to uh, use the litter box there and was very loud in doing so. So I had to chase them. Fat Nose and Sherm the Worm, the two cats, um, they sometimes untimely come down here and loudly use the litter box and then they were fighting and now it stinks down here. So that's what's going on on this end. So I hit pause. So I'm coming along in my producing skills and pull back the curtain a little bit. A little distracted after that. But anyways... My man Bobby Donnelly asked, rank the top, the top five or ten offensive lines. To me, Dallas is one, and that's not really even a conversation. It, it could be an all-time great offensive line. Another person asked me about that to compare them to other great offensive lines. Uh, to me, the best offensive line ever is probably the 90s Cowboys. Um, but this one is great. It's clearly the best in the league. Super talented. Three studs and potential Hall of Famers if they keep it up. I think the Packers are clearly second, and 
I could make the argument that they're the best in pass protection in the league too, but they're such a good group, and that's without Josh Sitton. I mean, that's that's somewhat surprising. Um, then I have what have we got here five, six. I got five others that I would put in the next category, and in no particular order, I would say Tennessee, mostly based on great young tackle play. The Falcons, who we'll see tonight. Like their tackles. I think Matthews will be a stalwart in this league for a long time. And Mack is really good to center. Uh, Oakland, I really like their offensive line, except right tackle's a problem. So four-fifths of it, I think, are very good. A lot of talent there. A lot of high-priced talent there. Uh, I think the Steelers are in this conversation, too. DeCastro, Pouncey, uh, Gilbert comes back this week. I think he's one of the better right tackles in the league. Uh, the left side isn't as strong. Well coached. Munchak is a great line coach and doing wonders with that group. And I also think the Saints. In, in Armstead, the left tackle, has a chance to be one of the best and is on that arc right now. Unger has been a success for sure after the trading from Seattle. Uh, Pete played well this last week. He's been up and down. Uh, the right side line's decent as well. Uh, I, I, would th- I think they're the next tier. And then the three that I have question marks by are Washington. And I would put Washington in that next tier if they had Trent Williams. Now that they don't, I don't think you can. Uh, with him in there, I'm convinced that they're you know a top 10 offensive line and that he's as good as anyone basically in the league. But he's that big of a factor that getting him out of there I think is going to be a problem. Uh, Miami, I have Miami question mark too because there's a ton of talent here that's starting to come together, finally healthy. Jay Ajayi's running for 200 the past two weeks. I, I'm just open to the fact that this soon can be considered one of the better offensive lines in the league. And the last one, I have Chicago question mark. And what I mean by that is, and we talk about this a lot, I think Whitehair, the center, has been a very good surprise, big surprise, very impressive as a rookie. He should be a fixture there. The two guards next to him are probably the best guard tandem in the league. Uh, they're not great at tackle, but I don't think they're awful at tackle. So, you know, three-fifths of the line is very good. Well, two-fifths of the line is exceptional. Three-fifths of the line is very good and promising. Tackles are okay. So, you know, and that's, I mean, there's there's bad offensive line play in the league right now. <laughs> you know, I mean, if the question was who are the five to ten worst offensive lines in the league, uh, you could make... I mean, there's probably a dozen of them that you would say, boy, this is a this is a problem area. Seattle, Minnesota, Arizona. I mean, there's a lot of them right now that you would say, this is a negative on this team for sure. Um, last question, Joshua Silber. He asks, would the Chargers win the AFC South? I think any of you that have followed me um, or been listening to the show for the past couple months know my opinion on that. I think they would win it with ease, to be very honest. I mean, I think they're much better, and the power ranks have, have shown this. Um, I've liked them better than every team in that division since day one. I like them more now than ever, and that's despite all their injuries. And uh, I think they're clearly a better football team than anyone in that division. Um, I would say Tennessee's the best team in the South. The Jags are the worst team in the South. Um, but yeah, I think the Chargers would rip that division up and that would be great. I'd love to see the Chargers in the postseason instead of Tennessee or especially Houston. Houston's yucky. 
Well, that's going to do it. Check out the rest of the Locked On Network. I am Matt Williamson. Drop me a note at Williamson NFL. We are going to break down every game tomorrow. And there you have it. Over and out. Progressive presents Mind Flowness with Flow. Before you lies a beautiful meadow. In that meadow, Progressive Direct has placed its auto insurance rates alongside those of competitors. You select the lowest rate and feel a great sense of calm. A great sense of Compare Progressive Direct rates with competitors' rates so you can rest easy. Visit Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy.